Welcome to the Trainwright Podcast, presented by CTS, a podcast about furthering human performance in endurance sports. Former pro cyclist, Olympian coach, and visionary entrepreneur, Chris Carmichael, founded CTS 20 years ago as the first world-class online coaching solution built to deliver results to pro and amateur athletes. Chris and his team of 50-plus certified coaches are completely driven by innovation and catalyzing new levels of success for thousands of athletes they coach daily. Whether you're a pro or a dedicated time-crunched amateur, you're about to learn exactly what's working best today and what's not to get faster, stronger, and achieve your goals from the most experienced team of coaches working in endurance today. This episode of the Train Right Podcast is brought to you by Stages Cycling, the industry leader in accurate, reliable, and proven power meters and training devices. Stages Cycling offers the widest range of power meter makes and models to fit any bike, any drivetrain, and any rider, all manufactured in their Boulder, Colorado facility. They've expanded their offerings to include the Stages Dash line of innovative and intuitive GPS cycling computers covering a full range of training and workout-specific features to make your workouts go as smooth as possible. And for 2020, Stages is applying its decade of indoor cycling studio expertise to the new Stages Bike Smart Trainer. Check out their latest at stagescycling.com and use the coupon code CTS20OFF, all caps at checkout, for 20% off. This podcast episode is brought to you by ESI Grips. As coaches here at CTS, we spend many hours on the bike working with athletes at training camps, making the bike equipment we choose to use extremely important. We need equipment that's high quality and built to last. This is why we choose to ride with ESI Grips. Their RCT wrap and mountain bike grips are made in the USA and provide us with the superior comfort, grip, and durability we depend on. We put ESI grips to the test on long switchback descents, roads riddled with potholes, rough gravel races, and techie Colorado mountain bike trails, and we've always been left impressed. Our friends at ESI grips are giving you 35% off your order. Use coupon code TRAINRIGHT, all caps. Head over to ESIGrips.com to get your discount and see why we love their grips so much. This episode of the TrainRight podcast is also brought to you by Pure Clean Performance, the industry leader in premium, great-tasting, beet-infused performance and recovery formulas. Get all of the stamina and endurance benefits of beet juice powder any way you like it. Their physician-formulated products include Beatums Chocolate Sports Chews, Chocoberry Blast Superfood Blend, Pure Clean Powder Organic Beet Juice Powder, and Brew Performance Coffee. And learn more about the Pure Clean Performance Club, a one-of-a-kind membership program where you can save 33% off of their formulas and anywhere from 20 to 50% off of professional supplements, brand name endurance gels, powders, and bars, organic natural foods, lab assessments, and discounts off of performance and health coaching, gear, recovery devices, and more. Check out all of the details of this offer at purecleanperformance.com slash membership and use the code CTS120, all caps, to save 33% off your first year's membership dues.
Welcome back or welcome to the Train Ride Podcast. We've got a dynamic duo on today's episode, Sarah Bird and Rob Pello from Viome. Sarah, could you tell our audience a bit more about what you do at Viome and how you got started working with them? Sure, Adam, and, and thanks for having us. So at Viome, I am the Director of Laboratory Operations and Product Development. So my role is really to help Viome scale and grow the business. And I'm mostly focused on helping our laboratory team, which is where you actually send in those precious poop samples, helping us try to be as efficient and uh, the highest quality as possible, and also look forward to how we can scale the laboratory um, operations as our business expands. Um, and a little bit more about me. So my background is in microbiology. I got my degree in microbiology from UC Davis and then went on to do a PhD in microbiology and immunology at Stanford University. And my scientific background is actually in the study of RNA viruses. So I worked on host pathogen um, interactions on poliovirus uh, when I was at Stanford. Oh, wow. Wow, but um, yeah, but I've always been really interested in the microbiome, um, partly because um, I have been a lifelong athlete myself. And as I've learned how important the microbiome is for overall health and wellness, like we'll be discussing today, I've always been, just been really keenly interested in that field. And so for the past few years, I have worked in the microbiome industry. Um, transition, like I said, a bit from the scientific and R&D side into the operations and business side of things. But I really pull from, you know, my own personal interest in kind of optimizing my own health and wellness and how I can kind of bring that perspective as both an athlete and a scientist to my role at Viome. And it's really great working at a company with so many like-minded individuals. And, you know, Rob and I will both tell you how much we really enjoy doing kind of a bit of our own biohacking and optimizing our own health and wellness. And so it's really fun working at a company that thinks about how to turn those into meaningful products for our customers. Absolutely. And, and I understand that you know how to race a, a bike too, right? Oh, yeah. So I, the past, I would say, I think it's been about 10 years or so, um, got into cycling kind of through my my dad and my uncle who have been lifelong cyclists. Um, I am actually a Cat 1 cyclist myself, though I would consider myself a little bit more on the weekend warrior side these days. But, you know, especially... Um, during this time when there's not a lot of racing going on, it's been fun to ride with my friends on weekends and go for those Strava KOMs and QMs. Wow. Haven't quite gotten into the, you know, Everstein myself, but you know, there's, there's still time in the summer. So we'll see. <laughs> well, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Uh, thank you for that, Sarah. Rob, how, how did you get involved with Viome and what is your key role there? Yeah. Thanks Adam. Uh, so I do not have nearly the technical background that Sarah does, but uh, what I do at Viome is I am the Director of Strategic Partnerships and Performance. And so what that means is I work with our professional athletes, including our you know Olympians and Grand Slam winners, and help them understand their Viome results, and then ultimately implement those food recommendations uh, and supplements to optimize their performance. Very cool. And your athletic background, I mean, you, you slap some pucks around on the ice right yeah so i am uh, i'm not an endurance athlete aside from uh -huh. pseudo marathon i think i've never run more than about two miles in a given stint uh but yes i played ice hockey at the university of delaware uh was fortunate enough to win a national championship there in 2012 uh nice. yeah it was a good time very cool well 
thank you both for being on the show. Welcome. And um, Rob, it's been fun uh, just kind of dialoguing with you. I was actually introduced to you through one of my athletes, a CTS athlete named Jeff Mahan, the great connector of business peoples. And uh, since then, it, you know, this experience of the biome journey has been really interesting. And we'll get into that here later on in the show a bit. But um, it's been super fascinating. So I want to bring you both on on the on the show and talk about how this could apply to our listeners and help athletes improve their performance. So uh, before we get into the science, Rob, I'll turn to you first. Uh, I gave a bit of an overview of what Viome does in the intro, but for our listeners, could you summarize a bit more about what Viome does and kind of their your guys's mission at the company? Yeah, sure. So I think that's a great place to start. Uh, so at a high level, Viome is a biotech company that uh, our mission is to make illness optional. And, you know, Adam, as you and I were chatting earlier, that's kind of a kooky concept to say make illness optional. Optional implies that there's some sort of choice involved. Uh, but really what we're doing at Viome is we're helping people understand what their body uniquely needs to be healthy. And the way that we're doing that is through understanding the, uh, the function of your human cells, your, so think like your immune cells, uh, your mitochondria and your microbiome. And when you understand how all of those cells are actually functioning and are they doing what they should be doing, or are they malfunctioning in some way, then you can create really precise nutritional and supplement recommendations to ultimately prevent and reverse chronic disease. And so we've actually had Mayo Clinic, United Health Group, GSK, who's the world leader in vaccine creation, and a number of others partner with us to use this technology uh, to move humanity forward. Um, but I'll add, that's, that's a very kind of big concept. Uh, I think more what we're going to chat about today is why we work with so many athletes today, certainly more than we worked with two years ago. Uh, and the reality there is when you understand how your body is functioning at a cellular level and you can improve that function by understanding what foods to eat more of or what healthy foods to avoid, you can really improve performance. And that's something that uh, a lot of athletes seem to be very interested in. Yeah, well, absolutely. And yes, to make illness optional, that is a very bold statement. Um, and, and, but I love it. I mean, come out swinging with it. And I think as it applies to, you know, our listeners who are just addicted to that performance and to overall health and wellness, I mean, this is going to, it's going to hit the sweet spot. So um, I understand that there's two kind of services that you provide at Biome. It's the health intelligence service and the gut intelligence. Could you just go high level what those are and what that means? Yeah. So the health intelligence is the Mac daddy at home test really creates a complete digital snapshot of your overall health. And what that's doing is it is an at-home blood test and an at-home stool test. Uh, and as you and I chatted about, don't mix those two together. Um, <laughs> no, don't, don't mix those two together. But when we get those back at the lab, what we're able to see is the microbiome test will show you how is your microbiome functioning. You know, you have trillions of microbes that are breaking down your food, producing hormones and neurotransmitters and all of these types of metabolites um, to run your body. So how is that system functioning? And then we're also looking again at the blood, which is what is your mitochondria doing? And, you know, the powerhouse of the cell generating all of your energy. 
Um, and how are your immune cells and other human cells functioning? Are they doing what they should be doing or are there signs of inflammation and um, bad behavior? And from all that, then we can make really precise nutritional guidelines uh, and, and supplement recommendations for people. So that's the health intelligence. The uh, other product you mentioned, the gut intelligence, is simply the uh, microbiome test on its own. Got it. Got it. So how does, I mean, how does biome analyze people's microbiomes? I mean, how, do, how does that work? Uh, I'm actually going to turn that one over to Sarah, uh, the, the lab master. How, do, how does that at a high level go down? Yeah, so um, we're really fortunate at Viome to have tapped in and licensed some really amazing technology from Los Alamos National Laboratory. Um, so Which Viome, is the U.S. government, for those who aren't familiar. <laughs> we took this uh, formerly defense technology and, and commercialized it, uh, which is why it exists nowhere else. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, at a really high level, we do things at Viome slightly differently than some other um, companies in the microbiome space have, have done this. So um, we look at the actual activity of the microbes that are in your gut and also look at the activity of the human genes that are being expressed. So we're not just looking at who's there. We're really asking the question, what are they doing? And we use a technology called sequencing to do that. And then there's a lot of hand wavy parts after that with our really fantastic AI and data science team. But basically after we do the sequencing, we run um, what's called a bioinformatic pipeline that can then pull out the specific sequences that we're looking for. And it then goes into an AI engine that generates and all the scores that you end up seeing in your app, um, pulling from a lot of translational science and systems biology. And the other key component to this is we collect really valuable metadata. And so that's the data about the data. And mm -hmm. you get that when you answer those questionnaires. So we are trying to learn things about, you know, are you a heavy drinker? Are you a smoker? Are you on a vegetarian diet? Do you exercise? And so that data, that metadata coupled with the actual results of the sequences in your sample um, gives us the, the scores that you see uh, in your app. Got it. So you're, you're getting the actual samples from the humans as well as the information from, from a questionnaire in order to get that done. And there's a hand waving, the, the greatest adjective in the world, uh, on, the, uh, on the front side of things. But there's a lot of data going into the, this uh, analyzation process. Exactly. And we really are a data company. We have over mm -hmm. 125,000 customers at this point. So the cool thing is the more samples that we collect, the better our engine gets and the better, the, you know, the stronger the data gets, the more we learn yeah. about the different relationships between the microbiome and human health and disease. So it's, it's a really powerful tool and it only gets better over time. And, cool. and to clarify one other thing too about the hand waviness. So <laughs> please, please rub. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm not a scientist, but I will fill in some technical terms here on, on hand waviness. Uh, the AI system, which to Sarah's point, we are a uh, almost a data company, uh, was created by uh, the head engineer who created the Watson, IBM Watson project. Uh, oh, and so our AI is this unbelievable engine that all of this data gets put through. Got it. 
got so definitely more than hand waviness, but uh, still definitely. a good adjective. Still a good adjective. <laughs> well, let's 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 actually explore some of these terms, and, and I'm going to learn here along with our audience. But Sarah, I'll, I'll turn to you since you uh, you're the smartest person in the room. Um, <laughs> could you describe to us what a microbiome is, or the microbiome, and why humans need to know about it? Yeah, sure. So we've all kind of heard about the microbiome at this point. It's made lots of splashes in the news. Um, but, you know, at a high level, so the microbiota is the collection of all these microbes, microorganisms that live in and on our body. So, um, yes, you have microbes, not just in your gut, mostly the large intestine. You have microbes in your nose, in your mouth, on your skin. And yes, men and women, um, men have microbiomes in this in the semen, women, you have microbes in your vagina, microbes are everywhere, right? Um, we've evolved with them. Um, and when we talk about the actual microbiome, that's the, um, the collection of the genetic material of those microbes. And so one thing that's really fascinating is so humans have something like 20 or 21,000 genes, which sounds like a lot the microbes in the collective microbiome is over a hundred times that, that many genes. And so when we think about, you know, going back to our biology class and we remember that genes, which are the DNA, DNA makes RNA, which then makes a protein and the protein goes and does some sort of function. If you think about these microbes that contain a hundred times the number of genes that can make a hundred times the number of functional products that have some sort of effect on our bodies, it's kind of astronomical. And, you know, on top of that, we're just scratching the surface about what we're really learning about the microbiome. So we do know quite a bit, like way more than we knew even a year ago, um, but there's still a lot, lot to un uncover there. And as you can imagine, this means that the microbiome influences literally everything about us. So from weight gain, weight loss, to our mood, um, our immunity, sleep, you know, food cravings, uh, so yeah, you know, absolutely. It's a really important area for, for all of us to at least try to understand a bit more about. Yeah, no, I mean, my mind is being blown as we, as we sit here, uh, virtually and distanced. Um, so let me, let me understand this a little bit better. So we've got these, got a bunch of microbes and, and things helping us, but they could also hurt us, right? Mm -hmm. As we live. And so there must be a balance and there must be a homeostasis. Yeah. How do you, how do you seek homeostasis and when do you know, like when you're out of balance and what, what does that mean? Yeah, no, you yeah, hit the nail on the head with homeostasis is definitely the right word to use there. So, um, you know, there's a lot of stressors in our lives, um, you know, poor sleep, you know, go on vacation and you start eating a lot of rich foods and you just feel really crappy after that. Your, your stomach's in a lot of pain. You um, feel lethargic. Let's say you get sick, um, you know, maybe you're an athlete and you're training a lot all of a sudden and you're feeling run down. There's a lot of stressors in our lives and mm -hmm. those stressors affect a lot of our function. They are also going to affect the microbes um, that are, are in our gut as well. They're going to respond to those stressors. And so if those stressors are, are built up and in there over time, um, it's going to have an effect on, on the microbes that are um, responding. Right. So um, as an example, um, when those microbes um, see the different foods that come into your digestive tract, they're going to respond to that food, help you digest that food, and uh, create different types of metabolites in response to that digestion. 
But as the balance starts to shift, it might favor microbes that aren't as beneficial um, to your system. And so it, if you're not able to bring it back to balance and the balance starts shifts in one direction or another, um, you can start leading down some paths that will ultimately lead to increased inflammation. That's, that's really what, ha- what we start to think about when we see things getting a bit out of balance. Okay, so 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 if I have a bad day of racing, I could just blame it on a microbiome that's out of balance. That's another good excuse. Quite right? possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean absolutely. There's so I mean, many factors that go into it, right? Um, <laughs> depending on how your microbiome was going as you went into that race. Um, no, absolutely. I mean, I've never heard it from one of my athletes, but. It might start. I wish I knew about that when I was racing. I might have pulled that excuse out. For sure, right? For sure. I'll I'll see it in like one of my athletes' comments on Training Peaks. I'm I'm pretty sure. But so you said a key word there: inflammation. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's uh, as as the nerdy techie people call it. Let's double click on inflammation here for a minute. Is all inflammation bad? Oh yeah, great question. So um, you know, inflammation is definitely not all bad. It's, it's a perfectly normal part of our immune system. Um, and so, you know, if we didn't have any inflammation, we would probably not be here for very long. We would be, we'd be in pretty big trouble, but we can break this down a bit further. So you can think of inflammation in two kind of broad categories that we're all inherently familiar with, but just to kind of touch on them. So let's start with acute inflammation. Um, and I'll give a couple examples. Um, um, of acute inflammation. So um, back in 2014, I raced the North Star Grand Prix, formerly the Nature Valley um, uh, stage race. And it has, there's quite a few, if you've done that race, there's quite a few criteriums um, during that race. And every single one had at least four or five crashes. And I remember on stage, it was three or four, I endoed and landed hard on my chest and got a ton of road rash. And you know, not, not fun. Exactly. Not fun. But um, thankfully, I was able to continue and, and finish the race out. But of course, what inevitably starts happening is my body starts to try to heal that those that road rash, um, you get scabbing, you get, um, you know, redness and swelling and warmth to the side of the wound, that's an active inflammation, but your body's healing that it's what's supposed to happen when you have any kind of injury. Another example of acute inflammation could be when, you know, Coach Adam gives you a five by five minute VO2 max set that you're just really not excited about. You know, it's going to be really hard, but you get through it. And then, you know, the next day your legs are kind of sore. So you had some likely some micro tears in your muscles that now your body is going to go and have some inflammation at that site to help repair repair your muscles. And that's another example of acute inflammation. Then, of course, there's the, you know, hey, I I caught a cold. I'm kind of out for a week. I've got, you know, sore throat, maybe a fever and some aches. But if I take it easy, no big deal. My inflammatory system, my immune response is going to kick in and help me recover. And I'll be back to baseline again. So that's, you know, some examples of acute inflammation. Um, where things start to get a little ugly is when you uh, start to get into the chronic inflammation, which can be caused by a variety of things. But we have been sort of talking about some of those stressors. So sticking with the cyclist example, um, I think we all know, I mean, I can relate to this when you're a new cyclist and let's say you're pretty athletic. So you move up really fast. You are like cat five to cat two in one summer because you've just figured it out. You're winning your races. And then maybe you decide, okay, I'm going to 
I'm going to get serious. I'm going to get a coach. And you think, well, I just have to train more and more and more. It's just, I need to see volume, but you don't have the years of base in there to really help you. Um, your coach might give you that recovery day. And then that he sees your, um, your file and you were just said zone three the entire time because you didn't really feel like you needed to ride recovery. Um, and then maybe you weren't sleeping well, and then maybe you got a cold on top of that. And it's just, just you know, every time you're going out and doing that training, you're, it's like a series of acute inflammations, but you're not allowing yourself to recover. And now you're heading to a point where you might be overtrained and that could lead to the symptoms of chronic inflammation. Um, and so we're really talking about there is you're not allowing your body to get back to that baseline at the cellular level your body is expressing and making a lot of proteins and inflammatory markers that are keeping systems on when they should really be off. Um, and you're really not going to feel great and you're not going to be able to perform at, at you know, the levels that you want to be. Yeah. Those are, those are really good examples. All perfect scenarios that I've seen, you know, firsthand before. And uh, so that, yeah, thank you for those examples. That's really good. If I could ask a little bit more about chronic disease too, say, you know, yeah say the athlete is following uh, coach Adams program perfectly, which is a perfect program, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, but you know, they're, they are following, everything's going well, but there's still like some weird, like coach, I got this weird lingering thing going on. I just feel kind of sluggish and bad. Like, and I'm not seeing anything necessarily in the data. I mean, we're, we're following textbook training parameters. Like, could there be a chronic inflammation thing going on just from other aspects of life and not the training side? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, we're, yeah. we'll talk today about the food side. Um, definitely the things that you eat, um, your microbes are going to be metabolizing those into byproducts that might not work best for you. Um, mm. There's obviously other stressors, like if you're just not sleeping, and it could also be an indication of some sort of, um, you know, viral or other type of infection as well. Um, mm -hmm. Or maybe there's, of course, you know, genetic predispositions to some sort of diseases. But, you know, it definitely, if you haven't looked at your diet yet, um, that would be a good place to start. All right, Sarah. <laughs> so you talk about metabolism, and yep. you said the word metabolites. Can you yep. talk us through, like, what happens in human physiology during yeah. metabolism, what a metabolite is. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, okay, so we all know, you know, you eat your lunch and the food goes into your stomach and your digestive enzymes start to break down that food. And then it goes into your small intestine and it has, there's a lot of surface area in your small intestine because it's designed to really rapidly absorb those key vitamins and minerals and nutrients in the food that give you energy and allow all your cells to perform the basic functions that they need for you to live. Right. Um, but you can't digest everything. Um, and you have thankfully have a bunch of helpers in there that are ready to break down other, you know, carbs, fats, and proteins that um, you're not able to digest. And so let's just take an example. Um, so let's say I'm eating an apple. Um, so that apple contains sugar. Um, sugar is made of glucose and fructose. So the fructose, once it gets into my system, it'll go off and be um, further broken down in the, in the liver. But that glucose, we all know about glucose as athletes. It's um, you know right with energy. It gets absorbed by our cells and goes down um, a pathway to help make ATP and, and energy for your system. And that's a metabolite. So a metabolite is really any product of a metabolic pathway. But that apple also has fiber. And microbes love fiber. Um, 
they take that fiber and they break it down into their own metabolites. And so one of the most well-known metabolites of the microbiome are what's called short-chain fatty acids. And short-chain fatty acids are really important in our own um, energy and metabolism and digestion. And um, as I mentioned, so good sources of these short-chain fatty acids are foods that are high in fiber, like fruit and vegetables and legumes. And some well-known um, short-chain fatty acids are one of the most well-known is one called butyrate. So just to give that as, as an example, um, butyrate provides energy directly for your cells in your gut. Um, it helps continue down that glycolysis, that glucose metabolism pathway that your cells need. And so it provides support in that area. But butyrate also has some anti-inflammatory effects. Um, it can lead to the production of antioxidants, which neutralize free radicals. And that's really important for athletes that are constantly under a lot of training stress and training load. And butyrate is also um, linked to, um, if you have low butyrate levels, it's linked to an increased risk of colorectal cancer. So you definitely want, you know, good levels of butyrate if possible. But even having said all that, none of that really matters if you're not in the right context. So any, everything Rob and I are talking about today, it, it really is important um, that this is all very personalized. So just because, you know, you have microbes that are producing lots of butyrate, you might also have microbes that prevent them from producing butyrate. So your context is really important because um, everyone's gut composition is so different. So it is very hard to make a lot of generalizations um, about what these microbes are doing, but just know that you know, you have microbes that are producing good and bad compounds. So the same microbe can produce something or a metabolite that will be potentially beneficial or harmful. And you also have different microbes that can produce both beneficial and both harmful compounds. So, you know, at, at Viome, we really try to get in there and figure out what is the activity of all of those microbes um, in your gut to really understand the whole picture that's working for you. I'm glad to hear that because I think, I think I'm low on the whole butyrate thing. And when you were talking about the bad things that happen from that uh, butyrate uh, not being able to process, uh, I started to get worried. But okay, and <laughs> apples are on my avoid list, but we'll, we'll get into that here uh, soon. So, so basically, food produces, you know, we eat food, food produces energy. Like we, we all get that listening here. But if I understand this whole thing, what you guys do at Biome is you're analyzing how the food stuff we eat gets converted into molecular energy and then help to guide whether what that food stuff is either minimizing or maximizing our health performance. And again, at that cellular level, how to help our live our best lives. Is that yeah, exactly? No, you know, okay. it's a okay. of, you know, these metabolic pathways that are all kind of working in concert. Sometimes they work with each other. Sometimes they work against each other. And, um, you know, it's all about finding that balance and, and making sure you have the right energy that has, lets you perform at, you know, at your, at your best. The orchestra of microbiome. That's we, we could nice. make an analogy about that. Something like that. <laughs> Well, let's, okay, so that's really good and really deep into the science. I, I'd say let's shake off a little bit for our listeners who maybe went cross-eyed there. Uh, I thought it was awesome, Sarah, man. Um, I, I feel like I could keep on talking about bike racing and, and biochemistry for a while. But to you, Rob, can you can you tell our listeners what the biome process looks like? So what I'm talking about is you go online, you order a thing. Like, what does that look like for people listening? 
Yeah, so as uh, as complex as all of that science sounded that Sarah just regurgitated, uh, the process could not be simpler. <laughs> so it's it is legitimately it's a, true. That's true. Very simple. <laughs> it's uh, so you know you go to viome.com, you purchase one of the tests. Uh, it arrives at your house with everything that you need to complete it. So you know um, basically two little sample collection tubes to collect some blood, to collect uh, a little bit of stool, a little bit of poop, um, and then prepaid envelopes to mail them back. And all you do is you register the test so that we know whose it is. You fill out a questionnaire so we know um, a little bit of background information. And then from that point forward, everything becomes digital. Um, And so you're operating within our app. Uh, And so when the results come back from the lab, hey, here's what we saw from an activity standpoint in your microbiome. Here's how we see that you're immune cells and your mitochondrial cells are functioning, all of that information gets displayed in the app in a series of what we call scores, uh, which are all explained here. This is what it means for your metabolic fitness, how well you break down sugars and do you convert them to fats or do you burn them efficiently? Uh, Here's what we saw with your immune cells. Here's your biological age. Uh, And then from all that information, here are the foods that you should be eating and or avoiding that are considered quote unquote healthy. And so we break those down into four categories for you as well. So you basically get an entire encyclopedia of foods and how good or bad they are for you. Yeah, that's a perfect summary, which has been my experience um, as well with that. And so those four food groups, I want to talk about those in a minute And, and disclaimer for our listeners. Uh, I know that this is a little product forward, but you'll see where we're going with this because it, it kind of needs to be with where we're going with the whole performance side of things. So, uh, Rob, can you describe what is like the definition of superfood versus the enjoy food, the minimized food, and then the avoid food? Yeah. So I think people have this general sense that things like avocados or kale are healthy for everybody. And the reality is it's highly dependent on your unique body. And so all that stuff that Sarah just described about the complexity of these uh, systems and the uniqueness from person to person is what drives whether a food is actually good for you or not. And so, yes, we have a superfood list. I think that term gets thrown around a lot. And when people look at their superfood lists, what they tend to notice is all of these foods look healthy. And uh, that's not really a surprise. Um, What people fail to realize though, is that those foods are on their superfood list for very specific reasons related to them. And more often than not, a lot of those foods are going to be on other people's avoid or minimize lists. And Adam, you and I were talking about this earlier. Apples are an avoid food for you. They are an enjoy food for me. You have watermelon as a superfood. I have it as an avoid. Um, And what determines that is based on is this going to spike my blood sugar more so than another type of carb? Uh, is it going to feed a virus that I have? Uh, all of these types of things. And so it becomes a bit more clear when people look at their avoid list and see con- what are considered healthy foods on there that they would never have expected they should be avoiding and that these foods actually could be detrimental to their health. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So when an athlete gets their results, okay, and they want to start improving their health, wellness, and performance. So they just they stop eating the avoid stuff for a while. And how long is a while? Like, what does that look like? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it, you're gonna, I'm gonna drive you nuts here because almost all of my answers are gonna start with it depends. Um, and the reason for that is uh, the avoid foods are not gonna be on there for a singular reason. They're gonna be on there for you know many possible reasons. So, for instance, we look at your avoid foods, and I hope you don't mind if I go through some of your. No, let's let's do it. Let's dive into Coach AP and uh, the microbiome of that makes him up. It's clearly, it's just so, that. <laughs> <laughs> so your food can be on there for different reasons. So let's look at yours. Yeah. yeah so yeah. some of your avoid foods, apples, bell peppers, cucumbers, melon, wheat bread, which this was the first I've seen on here for this particular reason, tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Those are six foods on your avoid list because you have different viruses that are known to live on or subsist on those foods. And I eat the hell out of tomatoes, salsa in particular. If anybody knows me, a lot of chips and salsa, FYI. And that'll do it. Um, and so at some <laughs> point along the way, you contracted a virus that lives on a tomato. It's now hanging out in your gut. And if you continue to feed it, uh, it can continue to have a negative impact in different ways of inflammation. And that so, sucks. <laughs> just, which is not great. Here's the no. silver lining. Um, please. Because this is on here as a virus, or the reason that this is an avoid food is because of the virus, um, avoiding that food for, let's say, three to six weeks is, in almost all cases, that virus is going to starve, get taken care of by the immune system. It's just not going to be there anymore. And so a lot of these foods can be added back in after the fact. This happened with me, Adam, if it makes you feel better. I had tomato as an avoid, and I reduced mm. it, and now it's off of my avoid list. Oh, my so God. So I'm back to salsa as well. Like- you should have seen like the womp, womp, womp thing going on over here because it was, is pretty bad. So to hear that, that's really good. And I guess where my head is going, say as a coach is, okay, we test a thing, we see a thing and it says, don't do this or do this. So then if I go and do what I should, quote unquote should for what was that? Three to six weeks, Rob? Yeah. So about three to six weeks in the case of okay. Yeah. In the case of a virus. Okay. So I stay virus, tomato virus free for three to six weeks. Do I then like get another gut intelligence test and scoop my poop and send it back to you guys? Or what, what do you recommend there? Yeah. I mean, we would say give it a good four months before you do a full retest. But if, you're, months, okay. if you're an absolute fiend about salsa and you were mm-hmm. clean, let's say for, uh, you know, you were, you were tomato sober for three to six weeks. Uh, sober. I like it. Yeah, I, I think you could probably add those back in uh, more often than not. If you're like me, so Sarah had the experience where the virus went away. I've had brown rice viruses and blueberry viruses where I stubbornly continued to eat those things. And on subsequent tests, four months later, still had those viruses. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, for three to six weeks is, is typically it. Um, one thing I do want to point out, though, is not yeah. all of your foods on the avoid list are going to be due to this reason. So for instance, you have spinach as an avoid food, which I think would be hard pressed to think of as anything other than great for everybody. Um, And the reality is you have that on your avoid list because spinach contains a lot of purines, which um, hopefully I don't nerd out too much, but it contains a lot of purines, which produce uric acid. And you're producing so much uric acid right now that adding more spinach to the mix uh, is actually going to be detrimental to you. And... Right. So I'm going to get some gout. That's good. Um, that sucks. But uh, so, okay. So I will admit that when I was, um, 
I think this is coming from my first test. So I was eating a, a, a crap ton of spinach when, like, leading into this, and then I saw that, and I pulled back on the whole spinach train. Like, there's no more spinach going in because I read that, and I was like, Adam doesn't want any of that in his life. So, Viome, thank you. You've you've helped pull back the, the spinach um, uric acid situation in my life. Yeah, and, and who knows? You know, you responding like that may have calmed the system and, and maybe you'll be, mm-hmm. be able to add that back in, hopefully, uh, if you like spinach. Yeah, no, I do. I, I love spinach. Um, and I love all those, well, cucumbers I don't really care about. So whatever. Um, so, but the rest of those, and you said wheat bread, is that right? Wheat bread, which I, I would have expected. Huh. You got to avoid foods on here because they uh, would be expected to spike your blood sugar in an unhealthy way. I thought that would be the reason, but apparently you have a wheat bread or sprouted wheat bread virus as well. Uh, which oh, right. have broken the record. I've done a lot of these reviews. I've never seen this many viruses. <laughs> so, okay. Well, that's, yeah, this sucks. Um, I'm going to just lean into my like, like inner Sheryl Sandberg, Brene Brown here and just lean into the vulnerability. So, all right. How do you get viruses? Is it from like not washing produce or, I mean, you can't wash sprouted wheat bread. So like, how do you pick these things up? You know, it it can be a handful of different reasons. And and part of it is too, if you're eating at restaurants, which, you know, we're not doing a ton of these days. um, Mm -hmm. But if the restaurant is using utensils for multiple different food types, viruses can kind of zip around the kitchen that way and end up in something you end up with one that you know maybe you're you're not having black pepper and you end up with a black pepper virus um so that's one way i definitely know that i got my blueberry virus because i was eating raw picked blueberries that i picked myself and just never washed um so good though so tasty um so that is it's typically kind of the washing it can be uh due to some other factors as well though so all right all right, we're 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 getting vulnerable here, Rob and Sarah. Because um, I'll say I'll say this too, which has been interesting. And for all the listeners, we're you know we're going to talk about poop and gas and all the things. Okay, so mm-hmm. first test. So after that, I read the whole spinach thing, and I was like, no way. But meanwhile, like Kristen, like she's eaten all the spinach, she's fine. But I will say that, <clears throat> excuse me, because I went off of tomatoes and spinach for a while after the, the first test. And, and to bring listeners up to speed, I have done two tests now, the first of which I did not adhere very well because I, I lasted like five days without salsa. And then I was like, uh, <laughs> and I just went back to it. So then I did my second test and whatever. But what I, so to be open and frank here, what I was experiencing was like in the morning I would wake up and I had, I had bloating. It wasn't like super severe, but it was like to the point where it's like, eh, like, I just want to go do my bathroom thing like right away. And it was uncomfortable and all this kind of stuff. And then, and then it was like, fine. And then you go about your day and like no real issues throughout the day, but it was always like the morning bloat. Right. Mm-hmm. And so with that becoming from the tomato, spinach, cucumbers, avoid food situation, is that like the only thing? It certainly could be. I mean, um, I think it's probably more so part of what's going on than necessarily Mm -hmm. the entire thing. Because what's interesting about what you said is, um, we haven't talked about this before, but we looked at your scores and Mm -hmm. uh, that was all reflected in uh, what we saw in the sample or what the labs on the sample. I certainly don't look at it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so that's very interesting. But to answer your question, it, it is more likely a the whole orchestra than necessarily mm-hmm. a couple of bad players. And I think that's difficult for people to wrap their minds around. Everybody wants to say, do I have candida or do I have a particular parasite or do I have mm-hmm. a virus? And that and that alone is my problem. Um, but is what you know what Sarah pointed out earlier is it's a highly complex system that works together in unison, and you need. Um, everybody pulling in the same direction. The orchestra. Yeah, and Adam, I would just point out that, um, you know, biome aside, what you're doing mm-hmm. is really powerful and that you're actually pausing to observe how you're feeling. I went years with just ignoring, like, oh, I have a stomach ache. That's just normal. That's fine. And I wish I knew what I knew now. I mean, if, if right. no one even if you're not going to do a test like Viome, but you're just interested in, you know, feeling better or optimizing performance, just start to take note of what happens after you eat certain foods. Like just doing that alone can have a big impact. That's a really good point. And I, and I am very um, like diet neutral, following diets or, or food choice. It's like whatever. What I love is when athletes, in my athletes in particular, bring more awareness to the food that they're putting into their mouth and how it makes them feel throughout the day, during training session, throughout the day, at night, all this kind of stuff. So the awareness is huge. And I think that the Biome product can help with with that awareness for sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you, Sarah, for, for, for bringing that up. Um, so the other thing – all right, so what I'm learning too – is my self-talk of salsa, right? Five days, no salsa, salsa sober, if you will. Thank you, Rob, for um, uh, trademarking that. And then I was like, no, I'm back on the salsa bandwagon. So, and then I was going, do all the things. But then recently after this this next test, you know, I said, I drew the line in the sand. And I'm like, you know what? For science, I'm going to not do salsa. And But not only for science, but because of the self-talk of if there's a substance or a thing or even an activity or something that you can't give up for three to six weeks that challenged me in my self-talk in terms of, huh, do I, do I really need salsa in my life? And my wife's probably going to listen to this and she's like, Oh my God, he's he's having a a religious moment. But what I'm saying is for those who say they do this test and there are love foods on your avoid list, uh, do some, like awareness and, and, and reflection on why do you need that, you know, in, in your, in your life and what is the cost benefit of getting rid of it for the greater outcome. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking mostly to athletes today, right. And as athletes, mm-hmm. we love a good challenge. So why not take that as any kind of challenge? And um, you said it, you know, for science, I just always encourage people to be their own scientists and do an experiment and, try something, see how you feel before and after. You never know how it's going to make you feel. And um, you might actually decide you don't like that thing you thought that you, thought you loved. For me, I used to eat popcorn every single day, no joke. Oh, um, and I just, you know, accepted the gut blow. I thought that was just normal. And then I realized mm-hmm. I finally put two and two together. And now I still have it every once in a while because I love it, but I don't need to have it because I know that I don't really get along with it. So great. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So let's zoom back out because there's more than just feelings and uh, rainbows and stuff like that going on. You guys actually measure stuff. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, I'll go back to you. The client, they go to Biome, they get seven scores 
uh, into their dumped into their app. And that is, um, did you want to walk through those seven scores, starting with the in, in inflammatory activity and onward and just kind of briefly describe what each of those mean? Yeah, sure. So yeah, we have these seven scores that make up an overall gut microbial health score. So first you have the inflammatory activity. So this just measures the activity or expression of those all those microbial genes that can contribute in some capacity to inflammation, whether that's in your gut or contribute to towards some distal sites. Um, I don't think I mentioned this, but it's kind of amazing that 70% of your immune cells live in your gut. So there's a lot of immune activity wow. that can Did take place that. there. Yeah, it's kind of incredible. Um, and so, you know, in when things are in homeostasis, like we talked about, and then you have a you know healthy, robust immune response, this isn't really a big deal. You eat foods, you maybe ingest some small environmental toxins, but your body responds quickly. But if your microbes are now in an environment where they perceive something that's possibly threatening, they could respond by producing some sort of metabolite that, you know, will ultimately hopefully protect them, but it might have a, a negative effect on, you know, your, your health. And so a poor score here would indicate that you have a pro-inflammatory environment. So we would tailor food recommendations to include nutrients that might activate more anti-inflammatory pathways and or calm down some of those pro-inflammatory uh, functions. Okay, and so then next we have your metabolic fitness, which Rob touched on. This is looking at signatures in the microbes that are associated with blood sugar regulation, insulin resistance, weight control. Um, an example would be going back to that um, butyrate metabolite we talked about. And so while that's a really good um, metabolite for any energy production, it can also help with insulin sensitivity. So if you had a good um, butyrate pathway score, that would uh, potentially boost your metabolic fitness score. Um, then digestive efficiency. So this looks at quite a few, at least 12, I believe, um, different pathways and all the activities of the microbes that contribute to those pathways. And it's looking at the overall function of your GI tract and how well your microbes can actually digest your food. So just a really quick example, there's a pretty well-known metabolite called TMA or trimethylamine. And so this metabolite is produced from some of your microbes, usually um, after eating a food heavy in choline, like some meat products. And so this metabolite can get further converted into another metabolite called TMAO, which has linked unfavorably to some cardiovascular effects. And so you want to have um, a low TMA score. Um, I eat a lot of meat and my score is really low. So it doesn't mean you can't eat meat. Just, hmm. it just everything, again, depends on your context, right? So there's a it's lot the of- orchestra. It's the exactly. orchestra. Exactly. It's part of the orchestra. Yeah. So then we have gut lining health. Um, and this is a really cool one. It looks at your overall health and integrity of the intestinal barrier, including this protective mucosal layer. So your large intestine has a big layer of mucus. It helps prevent pathogens and there are toxins from getting into your bloodstream. So we want that. But in a pro-inflammatory environment, you can get cracks in this um, in your intestine and it can lead to more permeability or what we sometimes call leaky gut. And when that happens, toxins like endotoxins like bacterial lipopolysaccharide which is um, found on some membrane the membranes of some bacteria those can get into the bloodstream or some other potential environmental compounds or even the bacteria themselves and those can cause inflammation effects um, you know throughout your body so you really want a strong gut lining and so we look at 
activity of some pathways that contribute to the overall health of, of your gut lining and give you a score based on that. Um, protein fermentation, that's an interesting one for athletes. So basically looking at how well you are digesting protein. And so, you know, I don't want to generalize too much, but we eat quite a bit of protein as athletes. Um, at least I do, you know, to repair our muscles and help our muscles grow. Um, but if you aren't digesting your protein fully, like if you don't chew your food a lot, or you just, you know, your own digestive system isn't working at full capacity, well, your microbes will take over and, and digest that protein for you. And some of the, um, you know, metabolites and byproducts of the bacterial protein metabolism can be um, a bit harmful and, and lead to some um, pro-inflammatory effects. So we're looking at, you know, your overall ability to um, digest and metabolize protein with that score. And yeah. then, yeah. So, go ahead, can I add one thing there? So one of the things, Adam, that we notice anecdotally is that if you were to talk to our chief translational science officer, she'd tell you athletes, people in the paleo community, people who are doing that, the one meal a day, big steak type of eating, mm -hmm. um, their protein fermentation scores uh, typically don't look great because to Sarah's point, um, the, all that excess protein, you're overwhelming the system all at once with too much protein and the excess literally just sits around and ferments like a rotting pumpkin. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> for anybody, for anybody, yeah, for anybody in the bodybuilding community, uh, who's tried to drink their weight in protein on a daily basis, uh, those terrible farts that they get, all that excess methane is a clear sign of protein fermentation. Yep. Yep. And which is why we give, you know, protein recommendations per, you know, sitting or serving to athletes to space it out throughout the day. So this, this yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You can only use so much. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So then there's a couple more. So we have a gas production score. This is exactly what it sounds like. Um, microbes produce gas. We inherently know this. So we look at the overall activity of the gas production by those microbes. Um, and of course, if you have a lot of gas production, you're not, you're, you're not going to feel great. Um, you know, it's associated with different digestive difficulties and discomfort and potentially some um, inflammation of the gut. So um, in particular, we look at some methane and sulfide gas, uh, gas production um, pathways and, and give you a score based on how active um, those microbes are with those pathways. And then the last one is active microbial diversity. So just briefly in the microbiome field, it's we've looked at, um, as a measure of gut health, we've often looked at the total number of species of microbes in your gut as a readout for how healthy your microbiome is. We do it a little differently at Viome, like I mentioned earlier, we're not, we don't care so much about the exact number of microbes you have, but how many of them are active. And so how many active microbes you have, because if they're active, that means they're doing something, right? So we're more interested in what your microbes are doing. And so in general, if you have more active microbes, that's going to be associated with a greater overall gut health. This gives you redundancy and resiliency in the face of some potential harmful element elements that may be present in your in your gut. So if you have a low score, it's because you don't have a very diverse um, active microbial population. And if you do want to nerd out on this score, you get actually a whole list of all the active microbes. So you can just go look at that list and, you know, start going into Wikipedia and learning about the microbes that are actually active in your stool. So it's kind of cool. And I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. Um, Rob, I've, I've got question for you, but I think you had something there. I was just going to point out, because I, I love any time I can hand out a gold star, uh, for you in particular, uh, you have a high 
uh, diversity of microbial richness, meaning you have a not only just a large number of microbes in general, you also have a large number of beneficial microbes and you are producing a ton of butyrate. So yes. my friend. I love it. I love the gold stars. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I've accessed my information here and I am looking at metabolic fit- fitness and it looks like I'm crushing that as well. I think. Oh, are. Nice. <laughs> what does that, what does that mean? Uh, I mean, you just went over it, Sarah, but like specifically, like, would you change, can you, I've got 83. I think that's up to a hundred. Is it beneficial oh, wow. to go up to a hundred or like, what does that, what does that mean for it, an old it, coach it, like this? 83 is very good. And, and what does metabolic fitness really mean? It means that you break down uh, sugars and certain starches better than others. And so when we look at your superfoods and we see, you know, um, watermelon in there, which has a mm-hmm. huge sugar content, and that's a superfood for you. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, the proof is in the pudding on what that really means. You just, you handle sugars very well. So, okay. So a couple of questions here as we just go down the rabbit hole of Coach AP's microbiome. Um, first of all, I've been eating just a crap ton of watermelon lately. And I, I, I just get excited to, I mean, it's cold, it's hot here, right? So it's cold and sugary and refreshing and delicious. So there's all those things, but is there any part of my microbiome that tastes watermelon, like in my mouth and just gets excited and was like, "Mm, more of that? Or how does, how does the orchestra react to a superfood? Does it get excited? Yeah, I mean, um, it's just like anything, you're going to possibly be selecting for whatever microbes are going to, you know, be active when they see the compounds of the nutrients in the watermelon, right? So Mm -hmm. um, it could be many different species of of microbes, but um, yeah, whatever components, there's multiple nutrients in the watermelon, but probably the fibers, for example, or the sugars, um, you are definitely selecting for microbes that are very active and we're seeing that activity in your results. So, um, there are sm- other small signals that the bacteria may be responding to, but you know, the, the nutrients in those foods make it down to the large intestine where you have bacteria that are just ready to go when they see those components of the watermelon. Yeah. And actually, Adam, the minute that you start chomping on some watermelon, Mm-hmm. Your body starts sending signals down to the digestive tract to prepare the microbes that that food, that specific food is coming. And there's this additional connection between the microbiome and the brain, this gut brain connection that then mm-hmm. is sending signals up to your brain. So to your point, the whole orchestra starts to play as soon as you start chopping on some watermelon. So it's interesting, more anecdotal evidence here, like sauerkraut and trout are on my superfoods list. And I, I mean, growing up in northern Minnesota, I had a fair amount of sauerkraut in my life, but not recently. So I started aiming for those two things. And every time I do, sometimes even together, which is a delicious meal for anyone wanting to try something different, um, I just like light up. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. So, it, you know, these superfoods, you might be eating them already or you might not. And it could, you know, introduce something that could not only uh, help your performance, but also just liven up your uh your palate a little bit. Um, question, Rob, just, and maybe this is the last thing on, on my microbiome, but it's interesting to me because Sarah just went through the list and I look at my metabolic fitness is through the chart, but my digestive efficiency is like scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> How does that work when I'm like metabolic, like metabolic fitness? Yeah. But then I'm not that efficient. What the heck's going on? That is simply the, 
rate and efficiency with which food passes through the digestive tract. And so that can be host or a reflection of a number of different other scores. So for instance, you producing a lot of uric acid, uh, you're Sarah mentioned TMA, trimethylalanine earlier. You're producing a lot of that. I don't know if you're eating a, a lot of eggs or what. Um, no. And, no. Ah, interesting. Um, your oxalative score was not great. You know, the the gas that you mentioned all showed up in the in the scores. And so uh, the gas def- production is 83, folks. This is not good. Not not good. You want to like golf. You want the most score. Digestive efficiency is 16, Sarah. Does this mean I'm, oh. What is it? Did, oh, God. We're going to have to take this offline. <laughs> but there are a lot of scores that go into the digestive efficiency. So you just have a little bit of an imbalance. Sure. But, you know, sure. exactly. And so you've already started to, you know, add in these additional superfoods. So, again, you know, the microbiome, it's dynamic. You know, you once you make these changes, you're going to just reshuffle that orchestra completely. Um, and so it will be interesting to see what it looks like in a few months from now. And, and Adam, if it makes you feel better, uh, metabolic yeah, butyrate, diversity, inflammation, all of these scores, you knocked out of the park. So, um, you Sounds know, pretty good I don't too much about that one guy. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. That, that does make me feel so much better about myself. And I'm just going to stick to sauerkraut and trout and watermelon for the rest of my life. So, um, <laughs> well, you two, we're getting close to the top of the hour and I kind of want to summarize and wrap up, but before we do, I've got a few questions for um, each of you. And these questions are kind of like summary questions and also kind of curiosity questions for our listeners. And because um, everybody, everybody that tunes into this is just, they're addicted to that performance. They want to, they want to know more. They want to learn more. And some of them may, you know, take the advice, you know, from this podcast and go and do the product thing and all this kind of stuff. And some may not. So um, let's, let's jump into these questions and see, see what you guys have to say. Uh, question one is for Sarah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is anyone's microbiome the same? Meaning like if you're living in the same house, family of four or whatever, um, are they the same or is it different even between siblings? And then does the microbiome change over time? Yeah. Okay. So your first question, uh, no, no one has the exact same microbiome as anyone else. And if they did, I would love to see that data. Um, there's just so much nuance. There's so many factors. We're talking about trillions of these microbes, right? Um, and you know, your environment, uh, everything from your environment and your genetics, um, your whole context plays a huge role in what's shaping your microbiome. Um, and, and, you know, to, to transition to the second part of your question uh the cool thing about the microbiome is that it's dynamic and so you know changing your diet or changing you know your sleep patterns or if you you know unfortunately had to take a dose of antibiotics all of those kinds of things are going to affect that microbiome and so you know it's cool that it's dynamic it means you can change it it means that if you are having problems it you know, it's not the end of the world. You can, you can lead, you know, get yourself on a path to better digestive health. That is, that is good um, to be able to change it if it is bad. And, and as Rob t- uh, told me just before this, um, getting a dog changes your microbiome. Yeah. Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? <laughs> uh, question two for Rob. If someone is listening to this podcast and they're uncomfortable scooping their poop, uh, or they're uncomfortable just, uh, you know, sharing their information, I guess. 
what knowledge could you share with them to improve their microbiome, generally speaking, without this individualized approach that Biome offers? Yeah, I think certainly, um, again, it depends. I'm going to start, I'm going to preface it with that, but generally, of it does. <laughs> I think, uh, as a culture, we could benefit from more fiber in our diet. Um, the microbes that are in our digestive tract, they live off of fiber and most of us just don't eat enough. Um, so mixing in more leafy greens, mixing in more different types of vegetables and, uh, resistant starches like sweet potatoes and things like that is generally a good place to start. Um, but again, the devil's in the details. I've seen plenty of people have all kinds of problems with cauliflower and different types of starches. Um, so, uh, I would, I would caution people a little bit. The other thing I would give is just on the protein side. Um, we talked about it a little bit, I think as athletes, we tend to overdo it on the protein side and that can, you know, more is not always better. There, there are some detriments to overdoing it on the protein side. I would just add to that, you know, if, you know, you don't have the means to do some of these tests or, um, you know, some of the other biohack tools that are available to you, but just do what we discussed earlier. Just, t- you know, be a scientist and take notes, um, think of a question um, and try to answer it with some key observations. How, how do I feel after I eat this watermelon? Like, I mean, Adam, it works great for Adam. Does it really work great for me? And just start to kind flying of, high in watermelon. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right? And so just, you know, being really in tune with what's going on in your body can be really powerful. Cool. cool. Okay. So the final question goes to you both. And uh, since I shared some of my information uh, for each of you, what's the, What's like one cool thing that you learned from your biome test results? Should I go first, Rob, or do you want to go? Lead off, all you. Okay. Um, I was pretty low on um, probiotic foods. So I had a lot of foods um, in my superfoods that were um, like kimchi and sauerkraut. And I just thought I was getting, I, I looked through it and I realized, yeah, I really haven't been incorporating those into my diet much at all. Um, and, um, but I also found that a lot of my superfoods were things I eat a ton of, which is, you know, my three go-tos are avocado, eggs, and kale. Um, so that was really exciting. I felt like a little bit validated there. Um, and then um, on my avoids, I also had some of the some of those viruses, so tomato and and pepper, um, which was kind of interesting. But like I said, I was able to get the the tomato off of my avoid list. So yeah, I'm working on it, Sarah. Uh, tomato <laughs> sober. Here we come. You got it, Rob. What was what was interesting when you scooped your poop? Oh God. So um, I always considered myself to be very healthy and eat pretty clean. And for a long time, I was on more of the traditional bodybuilder diet of white rice, steamed broccoli, grilled chicken. And I got my, and and I avoided starchy carbs like potatoes, like the plague. Um, And when I got my results, it basically said, uh, you need to avoid white rice at all costs and you need to eat a ton of potatoes. Um, I probably should have, uh, guess that I am Irish, but, um, <laughs> making, <laughs> making that over the course of like four weeks, my energy levels dramatically changed. Um, I had sustained energy through the day. Um, my percent body fat went from 14 to 10, changing nothing else. 
and I was eating significantly more carbs just generally, um, switching from gen- you know mostly white rice and things like that to potatoes. So that was like opened my eyes to this whole thing. That was the biggest thing for me too. It was the energy levels. Um, I, I do keep a lot of track of my sleep and try to do different things to optimize that. So I don't think that was a real factor. I already had that pretty dialed in, but just my energy levels through the day have dramatically improved in the last few months since I've made those changes. Yeah. That's, that's super cool. That's super cool. Uh, well, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that those, um, that, that it's helped you guys too. I, I look forward to, uh, uh, getting my energy levels up and uh, gas production, I guess. Uh, so, um, but no, this has been awesome. This has been an awesome conversation, you guys. Uh, for our listeners who find you as interesting as I do, can they find you on the socials? Yeah, I'm. I'm not as active as I once was, but um, I'm on Instagram um, at Sarah W Birdie S A R A W B I R D I E, which is my nickname. Cool. And Rob, are you a social media guy and hanging out on one platform versus the other? Or are you a TikTok guy or something? Oh, man. Maybe I should become a TikTok guy. You would be great at TikTok. 10% body fat, chomping away on Irish potatoes. You better do something with that. I know. I think there's a there's something there. Um, mm-hmm. I am a bit of an embarrassment to my generation when it comes to social. I am on Instagram. I believe it's Rob Pello. Um, mm-hmm. That is the extent. Got it. Keeping it simple. I like it. Uh, so for those listening that are interested in Biome, you can go to at my Biome on Instagram, at Biome on Twitter and Facebook, give them a follow. And for the listeners who want to give this a shout, you can go to bio.com and use Trainrite for an additional discount on either service that Rob talked about earlier. So you guys, thank you again so much for spending about an hour with us on the Trainrite podcast. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation and looking forward to having athletes put this in place and increase their performance. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having us, Adam. Thanks for joining us this week on the Train Right Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to visit our website at trainright.com forward slash podcast, where you can find social links, bonus content, and more about CTS. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss a show and leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next time, train hard, train smart, train right.